0: Alright, as the kids continue to uh, go out, take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 25 is where we're going to be today. I'm glad my Bible was already open there because there's nothing like half-eaten peppermint juice all over your hand from a little kid's mouth, so uh, my hands are all <laughs> stuck together. I won't be shaking anybody's hand afterward until I wash my wash my hands, unless you want Three-year-old peppermint juice on your hand, too, so uh, it's good times. If you got a bulletin as you came in, you can turn it over to the back, and there are a few notes just to kind of guide our time. If you want to jot down anything as, as we're looking at God's Word today, you can see that there. I want to reiterate what James said earlier during the announcements that if you came here and either you forgot about the picnic or you just frankly didn't know there was a picnic or this was your first time here, we would love for you to come and join us. Uh, You may need to come and join us for your own personal sanity because it looks like it's going to rain all week. And so this may be our last chance to be outside. It looks like it's going to be beautiful today. And so come, even if that means you have to swing by your house and grab a change of clothes or you need to stop by someplace and, and grab something for a side because you feel guilty coming without something extra to bring whatever the case is come out there and and hang out with us, because it's good to pray together, and it's also good to play together. We need those times, and so uh, some of you are more competitive than others, so uh, remember, we're going to go out there representing First Baptist Church. If you get beat in cornhole, you know, it's going to be all right. If you lose in cabbage ball, don't throw the bat, just little things like that to keep in mind before we... uh, before we go out there. Just pretend that you're talking to your own children about how to behave, and uh, we'll we'll be okay. But it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, let's get started this morning looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We're continuing to walk through the Sermon on the Mount a piece at a time. I'm gonna look at a passage that I think will be very familiar to, to many of you. Matthew chapter six. We're gonna start in verse twenty-five and read down through the end of the chapter. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Father, I pray that as we look at a passage of scripture like this, that in many ways is so straightforward, God, allow us to look into our hearts, to look at our lives. This is one of those passages that forces us to deal with life where the rubber meets the road. This is real life, real reality, because many of us came in here this morning worrying about things. Many of us come from a long line of worriers, so we look at our own life and we know that this is an issue. And we, Father, we pray that by the power of Your Word that You would transform our hearts and our minds. And we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. As I was getting ready for the uh, sermon this week, there was really only one main thing that came to mind at the beginning, and, and here's what it was. Great theologians, Timon and Pumbaa, uh, no worries. Is, is that what Jesus is talking about here? It, he says do not worry, is that, is that what the core of it is? We're going to look at the scripture this morning and, and begin to ask that question, what's the relationship between Matthew 6 and Hakuna Matata? What does it mean, do not worry? This week, I've worried about preaching a sermon on worry. That's embarrassing. That's not a good sign. I've worried about the weather today. All week long, I've been worried, are we going to be able to be at Buccaneer Park? Are we not? Is it going to rain? I've worried if I would survive the last four days without Amanda being here. Uh, I still have three children as of this morning, so I'm doing a really good job. If you can help me make it through the picnic today, I'll end the weekend with the same number of children that I started with. And so uh, that's kind of been the situation We worry about all kinds of things. You know what? We live in a culture where we even worry when things are going well. If you're like me, if things are going well in life, you worry. And why do you worry? Because you know that things are going to turn around at some point. You have this mindset, it's going too well right now. Something bad is about to happen. And so you worry about something bad that's about to happen, even though it's not happening right now. I call this the post-birdie syndrome. I like to play golf. I played golf with some of you guys so so far, but I call it the post-birdie syndrome because in golf, if I make a birdie, I'm almost guaranteed to make a bogey or worse the next hole because there's no way that two good things could happen in a row to me. It's just not gonna happen. And so something good happens and you worry that something bad is going to happen. Do you know the worst kind of worry? The worst kind of worrying is worrying about being worried. Because you know you're a head case at that point, when you're in my boat. And you say, I'm worried because I'm too worried, and there's no way that you can stop the cycle at that point. And then you come back to a scripture like this, and Jesus says, you don't have to worry. Do not worry about your life. Many of you have come in this morning, like me, and you've come in, and you're worried about your health because of a diagnosis that you've gotten or a family member's gotten. You're worried about a job because you either need a job Your job's hard. Maybe you're thinking about a new job. You're worried about your kids. Are they going to go the right direction? Maybe they've gone the wrong direction. You want them to come back. Nothing creates worry like being a parent or a grandparent and wondering what's going to happen with your kids. Many of you have been right in the heart of worry because of situations that have happened in life. We're going to have a church member who's going to come up for just a second and share a quick testimony about how this passage of Scripture impacted then during a time that many of us worried. Gail, come up just for a second. We're going to go with, I'm sorry, Jeff, I forgot to tell you, the one that Jenny used earlier, 7. Let me get it turned on. Gail, tell us uh, what you told me before the service started.
1: Okay, this is one of my favorite Scriptures. We all have a Katrina story. And we had evacuated to Popperville, uh, Katrina weekend, and we're with my son. And Some of you have heard this story. And I got up about 5 o'clock on Katrina morning. It was Monday. And I knew it was going to be bad. And so at the time, for my daily Bible reading, I was using open window. Um, And so I opened up the open window, and I opened up my Bible to the Scripture that went along with it. And it was this Scripture that Owen just read. Along with... The three verses that say, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I said, oh Lord, we just lost it all, didn't we? (laughs) And he said, yes, you did. (laughs) But I, I was never worried. It was okay. I just had this feeling that it was okay because we have these reassurances. And I had this in my heart.
0: That time uh, so clearly and how you come back to passages like this. There have probably been dark days in your life that you had to come back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, where Jesus says, you just don't have to be worried about your life. What does he mean there? That word for worry there in the ancient literature outside of the New Testament, it was connected with a couple of different things. Sometimes it was connected with the idea of sleeplessness. The same worried word would be connected with sleeplessness. You know what it's like to stare at the ceiling all night because you're worried about something. You can't go to sleep. Maybe your kids haven't come in. You can't go to sleep because they haven't come in. Maybe things are going bad at work and you're can't sleep because you know that the next day is coming, it was connected with that. This verse was also connected with the idea, I mean not this verse, but this word for worry was also connected with the idea of growing old before you were supposed to. And so even in the ancient world, there was this idea that if you worried, you would grow old before the time came. And many of you could say worry has probably taken about 10 years off my life because of, of what I've gone through. And, and it was still the case in the ancient world. The word for worry here, though, could also be a neutral term. It could also just talk about the concerns and the cares of life. Some of us have known people, and, and you may be like this, or you may know other people like this, and you want to look at them and say, you probably need to worry a little bit more Some people in life don't worry enough. They don't seem to be concerned about anything. Everything just rolls off their back, and and everything is okay. It's okay to be concerned. Being concerned about things is not the same as being dominated by worry. It's kind of like last week when we talked about that passage of do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. That doesn't mean that it's wrong to have a savings account. That doesn't mean that it's wrong to invest. It means it's wrong to make that your God. The same thing with worry. It's not wrong to be concerned about something. It's not wrong to make plans about something. It's wrong when worry dominates your life, when it distracts you from the things of the Lord. On your notes, you can see that I put, what does worry do to us? Because we realize we can't just laugh off this idea of worry. It is a dangerous reality worry will eat you up from the inside out and many of us can testify to the way that that's happened and as I was thinking about it this last weekend there is one thing that worry will do to us that I didn't put on the back of your notes but that I would say is probably the number one thing and here's what it is worry will kill your worship when you are worrying it is almost impossible to worship God in the way that we're supposed to We've probably had experiences personally, or you've known of experiences. I've run into this a lot in pastoring. Someone says, I just can't make it to church because I am so consumed with what's going on in life right now. I have so much going on in life. I'm so worried about what's happening that I just can't make it to church. It's just too much. And and I acknowledge that there are times in life that you are just overwhelmed. But when we are overwhelmed with the things of life, where do we most need to be? Gathered with God's people worshiping him. And what happens is when we worry, even if you do make it to church, you know you're distracted. You know that you're not really focusing on the Lord because in the back of your mind, you're constantly thinking about that thing that you're worried about. It happens to me as well. It happens to all of us. doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Worry will destroy our worship. And here's what I want us to know about that. Worry kills our worship, not because the things we're worrying about are so great, but often because our view of God is so small. Here's here's what I mean by that. The reason we can't worship when we're worrying isn't because the thing we're facing is something that we'll never be able to deal with. It's because in those times we realize that our view of God is so small In church history, we've gone through periods, and and I think that the church is just starting to come out of a period that started back in the uh, mid to late 80s, but there was this uh, trend in churches that happened where churches, in order to draw more people in, tried to make the things of God more palatable, tried to bring God down a level so that people would be able to receive him easier. It wouldn't be such a big deal but what we found was by doing that, we destroyed the very idea of worship. And just by making God palatable, making God easier to receive, it didn't result in better worshipers. It resulted in people that worry even more. And this idea that we would say, we're going to make our church about power, or we're making our church about popularity, or we just want to do whatever we can to get more people in the building. And yet more and more people are leaving the church now than has ever happened before. Less and less people are attending the church than has ever happened before. And I just want to make maybe a guess about why that's the case. I think one of the reasons that's the case is because we have lowered who God is as if that's even possible it's not possible but we've lowered that and we've found out that people weren't coming to church to find an easy god to believe in they were coming to church because they needed a great god to worship and we did them a disservice because we lowered our view of god just to get more people in the doors and it didn't make any impact and so what we have to come back around to is that the one thing that will destroy our worship is worry But the reverse is true. The way that you combat worry is by worshiping. And so I'm going to try out a phrase that's very cheesy, and I know it's cheesy, but I hope that it might help you out just a little bit. The answer to worry is hallelujah, not hakuna matata. So if you're thinking hakuna matata, throw that word out the door and go with hallelujah. The answer to worry is hallelujah, not hakuna matata. Hakuna Matata says, just live in a world where you put all your worries to the side, pretend like those things aren't happening, laugh it off, life's going to be okay, which is okay when you try it for two or three days, but after a while you realize, I just can't laugh off the things that are happening in my life. I just can't avoid everything that causes me to worry. I'm going to face things in life that are difficult, and Hakuna Matata is not going to get me through. What's going to get me through is hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worshiping the God who is able to carry me through those times. Worshiping the God who is in control of those things and will provide everything that I need. And so if you are worrying, or if you know people who are dealing with worry, the most important thing that you can do in response to that is worship a great God. A God who takes on our burdens, takes on our pain, and gives us comfort. And hears our cries and carries us through those times. On your notes, the next thing that's listed after that, or actually it'd be the first thing that's listed, but it's the idea that worry dominates our thinking. Here's a test, and I've been trying this out on myself this last week, and, and the results have not been pretty, but uh, let me tell you what the test is that I would ask you to do this next week. The way that you determine what you're worried about is to write down, is to think about, what is the last thing I think about before I go to bed, and what is the first thing I think about when I wake up? If you will make a log this week, if you will keep a piece of paper by your bed, what is the first thing that I think about when I wake up in the morning, and what is the last thing I think about when I go to bed? That will reveal what we worry about because worry dominates our thinking. I've got a couple of verses up on the screen. Uh, Philippians chapter four, verses six through eight. Philippians chapter Starting in verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Worry dominates our thinking. And one of the ways we combat worry is we have to think about the things that honor the Lord. The next thing that worry does is worry will steal our joy and our energy. It's almost impossible to be worried and at the same time have this joyous energy to face life. Because here's the other thing that worry does. When you worry, you sleep less and you eat poorly. And you know what happens when you sleep less and you eat poorly? You have even less energy than you did before. And when you have less energy, you know what happens to me? I become grumpy. And you know what happens when you become grumpy? You find other things to worry about that you didn't even know you had to be worried about. And then this cycle kicks in, and it is hard to get out of, because when you're grumpy, you know what you want to do? You want to eat poorly. And so you put all this food in your body that's no good for you, and pretty soon you're caught in this cycle of sleep badly, eat poorly, get grumpy, worry about everything. You know what happens then? People kick you out of the house and say, go, like, get out. Go get healthy, can we eat a subway sandwich with no meat on it or something? I don't know what you do at that point, but just go try to get healthy because it will steal our joy, and it will steal our energy when we get into these cycles of worry. Here's the last thing that's on the list there about what worry will do to us. Worry will distract us from our mission. And I think that this gets to the core of what Jesus is dealing with in, this, in these verses because later on in verses 33 and 34, especially verse 33, Jesus will say, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because if you're worrying, you will not be seeking first God's kingdom because you'll be distracted from the mission. Now there are lots of things we could say about this, but let me just kind of point out one thing really quickly. Be very careful about Doomsday predictions. Because we live in a world that if you go on the internet or you go on Facebook, there'll be something out there where somebody will be predicting the end of the world or this doomsday event is going to happen. It might. I don't know. I mean, that maybe this year will be the year that some doomsday event occurs. We don't know that, though. But you know what happens? People get worried. And it begins to dominate their life because they're worried about what's going to happen you know what happens when they do that? They don't seek first God's kingdom. They build huge bunkers and put food in there. And they're always running around because the sky is going to fall in. And what happens is we're not committed to the mission that God has given us. Do not be dominated by these theories of worry and fear and doomsday predictions because we can realize that all we need to do is turn to the Lord And he has told us that no one knows the day or the hour. He does. He has it under control. Don't let these things distract us from the mission that he's given us. Okay, how do we deal with worry? How do we handle these things? Let's go back to the scripture here. And there are three things that are in your notes. And we're going to go through these right now. The first is to look back. Look back. And specifically, Look back at the previous passages. So go back to verse 25. In Matthew 6, verse 25, it says, For this reason I say to you. Now, in your Bible that's in front of you, or if your phone has a highlight feature, you should underline, highlight, do something to mark those first words because it says, For this reason, or therefore, or because of this, I say to you. And what's happening is Jesus is pointing back to those previous verses. And he's saying, if you don't want to worry, just go back to what I just said and do those things. Well, what did he just talk about? He just talked about giving and praying and fasting and laying up treasures in heaven. If we will give and if we will pray, And if we will fast, show that we trust him to provide everything that we need. And if we will store up treasures in heaven and not here on earth, it will be almost impossible to be consumed by worry. Jesus had already in chapter 6 given them the prescription for not worrying. And so when he gets to verse 25, he can just say because of this or, or for this reason. Everything I've just told you is the way that you prepare not to worry. So when you get into these times of worry, what do you do? You give. And I know that sounds completely counterintuitive, especially if you're in a situation in life when you're worried about money. And you're saying, you don't understand, I'm worried about money. I can't give. And you know what happens is often when you give, it's at that moment you realize you didn't have to worry about money because you see the way that God provides. And he says, if you're worried, pray if you're worried fast trust me to provide what you need if you're worried make an investment that lasts for 30 million years not for 30 years lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and then you do not have to worry here's the second thing jesus says not only look back but look around verses 26 and 27 also goes into 28 as well but verses 26 and 27 he says, look, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? You know when we worry, one of the things that happens and, and I talk about all these examples because I'm a worry champion. Um, but, uh, so I talk out of personal experience this morning. But uh, one of the things that happens when we worry is life has a way of closing in on you. Because you worry about these things and you don't think about anything else that's going around you. And you can become narcissistic. You can, when, generally speaking, people who worry, and once again, I I say from personal experience, people who worry are often extremely self-centered because worry has a way of enveloping and coming back on you. And so you begin to worry about things and then you worry about everything happening in your life and then you forget that there is a world around you where things are going on. Jesus says, if you want to not worry, look at the birds of the air. Get out of where you're at Go out into the outdoors and look around. Psalm 23, something I had never thought about in Psalm 23 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a phrase about not worrying. I shall not want. He leads me, and he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You know what that imagery is related to? It's outdoors imagery. What happens when you lie down in green pastures and you go beside still waters, you see birds and you see flowers. You see the exact thing that Jesus is referencing in Matthew chapter 6. If you are a person who struggles with worry, one of the best things that you can do is come to the picnic today after this worship service. And here's what I mean by that. It is good that you are here to study God's word. Because this is the foundation of our lives. This is what gives us the direction for our lives. And he says, don't worry. And one of the ways you don't worry is you look at the birds. And you look at the flowers. And you watch kids on the playground carefree. They're not worried. They're just out there to play. If you're dominated by worry, get outside. Sometimes when I'm in the office, and I feel like things are closing in, and I'm not in a good place mentally, and I'm worrying about things of the church. One of the most spiritual things that I can do is walk outside. Get outside of the office. If you are sitting in your house and you are trying to solve worry on Facebook or the internet, it ain't gonna work. You're gonna get more worried about what's going on in the world. And most of it's not true anyway, but it doesn't matter. Worry doesn't have to have truth to continue to grow. It grows on information, no matter whether it's true or false. If you're in your home and you are worried, get outside. Look around. Remember that the world is bigger than just where we are. And I don't say that harshly, because I know that some of you here deal with very deep, dark clinical depression. And I want to be very careful not to make light of that depression and many of you have that in your family or in your marriage or you deal with that in your life. I don't mean to make light of that, but I do know that when Jesus says, "Do not worry," he says, "Get outside and look at the birds and look at the flowers, give, pray fast, and that will point you in a very healthy direction." All right, last thing for this morning. So we look back at the previous verses, we look around, and then finally we look ahead. Verses 33 and 34 at the end of this passage. He says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Look ahead. Now you say, Owen, but that last verse says don't worry about tomorrow. And I would say that's exactly right. Don't worry about tomorrow But it does say to look ahead. Look ahead to God's kingdom. That you are not living for today, and you're not living for tomorrow. You are living for the reality that will exist 30 million years from now. We are living for something that will never be overcome, that will never be defeated. And so part of what the Sermon on the Mount does is it forces us to look beyond our current circumstances and to say that this is not the end of the story. That we are living for something more than this, but we are still called to live in this. Not worrying is not about disengaging from the world. Not worrying is saying, I know that God is going to lead me through this, and so I'm going to live for him and for his kingdom. And it's all based around the reality of Easter. That Jesus came and he defeated the king of worries. Because you know what the king of worries is, don't you? It's death. The one thing that you can look at someone and say, you know what, you have a good reason to be worried about that. Jesus came in and he defeated even that. And so if we don't have to be worried about death, we don't have to be worried about anything. And then he gave us new life so that we can live for him every day, not being worried about whether tomorrow will exist or not, because we're focused on what he has given us today, and we are looking ahead To his coming kingdom when it comes on earth as it is in heaven. I heard a story this last week about a man who was on a cross country plane trip. And he was on one of those plane trips where you hit the storm and the turbulence is terrible. Your stomach is up and down, the plane is up and down. Many of you have been on those flights before, and people are worried. You look around and people are concerned. And this man said that he looked up a couple of rows and he saw a little girl who was just sitting there in her seat, legs crossed, reading a book, wasn't concerned about anything. And so when they finally got to the end of their trip, this businessman walked up and he asked the little girl, he said, why were you reading? Why why were you not concerned? Why were you just sitting there? And she said, my daddy's the pilot and he's taking me home. When your father is the pilot and you know where he is taking you, You're not going to be dominated by worry. And we live in a world where we can say our Heavenly Father is the pilot. Not the co-pilot like those awful bumper stickers, but he is the pilot. He is the one who is in charge. He is leading us, and we know where he is leading us. We know what he is doing. And so we say, you know what? Forget Hakuna Matata. I'm going to say hallelujah. I'm going to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you've given me. Thank you for the birds in the sky that I can look to. Thank you that what I'm facing right now is not the end of the story. I will choose to worship you and not to worry. We're going to end our time today just through a time of prayer. Right where you are, if you would, if you would bow your head and close your eyes.